tremendous flow in a marriage. Otherwise, if the heart has got barriers and walls or defilements in it, you find no matter what you try, you can't build that sense of unity. We shared uh, a couple of weeks ago about how people can be freed from defilement, and many people were prayed for and began to acknowledge things that come into their life, previous relationships, defiling thoughts. And uh, one of the things that happens so frequently... Listen, I want to share with you something. I want to carry on the series we've been going on. Before I do, I want to just share with you just a simple key. Uh, we've been sharing uh, uh, how to build and draw <coughs> your marriage into unity by turning the hearts one towards another. And we found that when hearts are directed towards one another, then there comes a tremendous flow in a marriage. Otherwise, if the heart has got barriers and walls or defilements in it, you find no matter what you try, you can't build that sense of unity. We shared uh, a couple of weeks ago about how people can be freed from defilement, and many people were prayed for and began to acknowledge things that come into their life, previous relationships, defiling thoughts. And uh, one of the things that happens so frequently is that people find that their mind is troubled by memories or pictures which are very powerful and very vivid. And it's important to know what to do with those things. The first thing is to realize this, is that pictures and memories associated with previous relationships, we need to reject totally any hope of that relationship, any desire for that relationship. We need within our heart to totally reject that which we were a part of in the past which was not right. Without that, you can never be properly free and separated from those things. The second thing is that breaking soul ties or prayer ministry can literally break the links in those relationships and bring a great measure of freedom in the mind. However, some people find they still struggle with thoughts and pictures that come back to them, pictures that reinvade the mind, even though they've turned their heart against it and they're prayed for. Let me give you then another key that will just help you, a very, very simple key. The Bible tells us in 2 Corinthians 10, verse 5, it tells us, we are to bring into captivity every thought into the obedience of Christ. So there's actually something we can do, and that is take every thought captive, making it a prisoner of war. A prisoner of war is a soldier you captured and disarmed. So it says thoughts, which are ungodly thoughts or pictures, are like enemy soldiers that come against us to hurt us, and we must arise inside and take them captive or prisoner of war and disarm them. Well, of course, how do you do that? Well, it says this. It says, you take the thought captive into the obedience of Christ. There's something Jesus has done. There's an area where Jesus has been obedient that you and I can take our thoughts and make them submit to what he has done. Now, you say, how do I do that? That's what we really need to know. How do I actually make it work? Well, let me, I can share with you a testimony of how it works. In my life, I have found things that from my past have come up at times and they've been quite vivid pictures have been hard to displace. Whenever they come, I used to fight them. Now, of course, as you fight them, they become more attractive. The sign that says, don't touch the paint. Of course, you want to touch it straight away. If I put a box down the back, do not open this. It'll be sure to be opened more than a dozen times before the service is over. It's just how it is. When we see the law, don't do it. You, you feel you want to do it. Knowing you're not to do it never gives you any power. It just draws you, you get more attractive, makes the sinner alive. So I found that when you fight negative thoughts, you actually end up empowering them. So I found a very simple way of dealing with it. Very powerful, it works very effectively. As the thought comes, I begin to identify the thought. I see it. Then I consciously just take 
Another thought, the cross of Christ. I consciously meditate on the cross of Christ and superimpose it over the picture that is coming to invade my mind and hold it there by faith until what is beyond it begins to just disappear. And I found this, if I have separated in my heart from all desire for that thing and it is invading me as an unwanted thing, then if I will just see the thing for what it is and lift the cross of Christ against it, so I'm looking through the cross at it, believing for that cross of Christ, his obedience to break its power, I find within a short time, I literally, the power of the thing is lost and it goes. Then I just redirect my thoughts somewhere else. But I have found sometimes just trying to redirect your thoughts, the thoughts keep invading. So I have found it very helpful to consciously meditate on the cross of Christ, his obedience on my behalf, and push it upon that troubling picture until I see the thing vanish and go. I found it being very powerful, taking every thought captive or prisoner of war into the obedience of Christ, not to my obedience, to his obedience. Very simple. I found it works. I'd encourage you to try it if you're struggling. How many people have struggled with these thoughts that invade them? They can't seem to get rid of them. They seem to push against them. How many people have experienced that? See, many. Well, I encourage you over this next week or so to consciously do that. Instead of fighting the thought, just superimpose a picture of the cross of Christ, believing for that to destroy that image. I literally picture it disintegrating and fading away, and then its power's broken. I've asked the Lord over the years to bring everything up to my mind that has still got resident power. And as it comes up, I bring the cross of Christ and declare its power broken and gradually watch it disappear. It's been very helpful. So that's just not my message today, but it'll be helpful because the, the difficulty is we know what the Scripture says, but don't know how to do it. I want to share with you something else. 1 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 3. I want to move from where we're going about building oneness and I want to take a different tack. Now over the next three or four weeks, I want to talk about headship in the family. And uh, we're going to talk about God's order and government. And uh, I want to open this area up. And as we do it, I want you to be very open to let God teach you something. The Bible says, He that has ears to hear, let him hear. Now, when we listen to things, many times what happens is we don't actually deny it. We just quietly lift our thoughts up against it, compare it with what we think, and then quietly go on our own way, and our thoughts remain unchallenged. The Bible calls that hardening of heart. You can never grow if you don't let the Word of God into you to transform you. Other reason that we resist being changed is because when we hear the Word of God, it requires something that, of us. We need to respond and do something we didn't do before. And uh, many times we just quietly nod our head, oh, I wish so-and-so was here, this was a good message for them, and that uh, we don't actually let it get into our own heart. I want to talk over these next uh, few weeks just about headship in the family, and some of the areas we're going to touch will rattle your cage a little. And I'm deliberately going to do that. Today's subject is headship is male. And if you don't like it, it won't change it one little bit. Headship is male. And uh, we're going to push on this area because if we get the men thinking right, then I think we can make some major changes. And uh, so we're going to focus our attention on the men, but also bring it together. Now, I can't in one session answer every question. Clearly, there are specific situations such as what happens when a couple separate, what happens if there's a single parent situation, what happens if a couple divorce, what happens when we, we can't answer them all just at the moment. What I want to do is rather than look at the exceptions, which seem many, and your particular situation, I want to lay out, first of all, the principles. 
Because if we build our life around the principles, then we will find our life will begin to start to be empowered by God. And if you want to try and build it on your... The Bible says, uh, unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain that build. In other words, you put a heap of work in and it doesn't get anywhere. You're frustrated and disappointed how little outcome you've got. But when the Lord builds out, how does the Lord build your marriage or build your relationships? Why? This. He lays out principles. He lays out ways of operating. And when I understand those ways and come into agreement with them, His power is released and things happen that I don't have to make happen. How many are tired of making your spouse change? Not very many. Okay. You're still hardened in commitment to get them to change. You will never get them to change, I can tell you now. Not by doing it that way. No, there's another way that we can influence our spouse powerfully. And we need to understand the principles of godliness here. And I want you to have a look with me in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. And uh, if I don't answer all the questions you have, that's quite acceptable. Over two or three Sundays, we will actually get into quite a few areas and it will help you. Now, if you're a man, how many men have we got here today? We get all men to stand up. Okay, now this is it. No, don't clap them yet. I want you to say after me, right? Is any man sitting down? Grab him by the scruff of the Pull him to his feet. Okay, we've got the man. Okay, men, I want you to say after me. Come on. Headship is male. Headship is male. Right, headship is male. That means me. Good, okay, sit down. You just come into agreement with God. Come on, let's give him a clap. And then all the sisters pray for them hard because we're going to get into them over the next two Sundays. Get all the men standing up inside, not just standing up on the outside. But uh, let's read in 1 Corinthians ch uh, chapter 11, verse 3. I would have you to know that the head of every man is Christ. That produces a challenge straight away for the men. How are you getting on with God? Are you a man of prayer or is your wife carrying the prayer? The wife is carrying all the prayer load. You're irresponsible and you need to actually get back into the place God has called you to be. The head of every man is Christ. Now here it is. The head of the woman is the man. And if you didn't get it before, the head of Christ is God. Now in Ephesians 5 verse 23 it says, The husband is the head of the wife. Headship in the, in the home, headship is male. If you are male, you are the head of your wife. And we'll talk about what that means. Now, as we begin to go through this, of course, the difficulty is most people today do not recognize headship or, or God's order and authority, or there's a tremendous uh, attempt to overthrow it. We live in days when people are trying to overthrow all truth, all authority, everything that God has set in place over this last uh, three decades has been subtly undermined through the education system, it has been subtly eroded through society, through media. Until now, people have got no idea and kind of there's this sort of thing, well, we're all equal or whatever. Now, there are two extremes that are a problem here which we want to identify straight away. They are two complete opposites and the truth lies somewhere between there and that's what we want to focus on, what God has to say. Here's one extreme. One extreme is when a male is dominant and abusive and oppressive over a woman. This is an evil in God's eyes. And he will deal severely with that person who is like that. Many men are abusive, they are self-centered, they have unresolved conflicts from women in their background, and they misrepresent God, and they misuse and abuse what God has entrusted to them in relationship to their wives 
and children. In this area we want to deal with, we're going to look at areas like headship and responsibility, what the responsibility is and how you go about doing it. And uh, so that is one extreme. The other extreme is where men uh, just give up all their responsibility. There's a reaction to avoid God's order altogether. And so the extreme on one side is male chauvinism, uh, an attitude that comes from fallen sinful men of despising, belittling, and hating, hating women and using or misusing their authority uh, over them. This is godless. It's antichrist. It, un it produces tremendous spiritual problems in the home and reaction and hurt and bitterness right through the family. But the other extreme has a similar result. It's exactly out at the other end. It's called feminism. It's where women who have been hurt reject God's way, God's standard, and begin to try and rise up and equalize it or even reverse it. And both extremes unleash spiritual powers into families that cause immense harm and immense destruction. Both equally are evils. Now what we want to understand is we want to see how God put things together and how I can cooperate with what God has set in place. Because every time I agree with what God says and I understand what He wants me to do and I do it, I will get results. Not only that, the Bible, as we'll see in a moment, makes it very clear that God upholds His order, the way He set things in place, is actually sustained by His power. So everything that's out of God's order, you're fighting against the power of God. You never win. You can't win if you try and fight against God. It's like trying to overcome gravity by leaping up in the air. You'll just go so far, then you'll fall down. Gravity will again master you. You can't get out of the hold of that law. Now, I want to just talk before I get into the headship of the mouth. I want to just look, first of all, at the order that God has set in place. Look in Colossians 1, and then we'll look in Romans 13. Colossians chapter 1. I want you to see something that the Bible tells us. God is a God of order. He has constructed the universe clearly in an ordered kind of way. Everywhere you go, you meet God's order. You can't get away from it. You can pretend it's not there. You can pretend there's no God. won't make any difference. He's still there. It's still ordered. And uh, you will uh, experience the result of ignoring His laws. <clears throat> Verse 16, For by Him, Jesus Christ, were all things created. Those that are in heaven... Those are in the earth. So he's saying now, there are some things in the realm of the spirit that God has created. They're invisible. You can't see them, but they're there. There's some things in the earth which God has created. They're visible. You see them. He's created them both. And it says here, whether they be visible or invisible, now he talks about what he's created. He's created positions of authority or areas of influence and responsibility. Thrones, dominions, principalities, and powers all of the things were created by Him and for Him. So we understand now that God has created certain realms of authority in the spirit world which the church and Christian believers are called to arise and to fill. He's created also in the earth certain structures and forms and He's put it all together. It says not only that, that He, was, he created it, it was created by Him, it was created for Him, and it is upheld by Him so that in Him, He will have the preeminence everywhere. Now, when we look at the natural world, we see a thing like a law of gravity. Scientists cannot tell you why the law is there. They can't explain how the law operates. They can only describe the law. They can't really work out how come the thing works. But what they can do is describe what it does. And the Bible tells us that these natural laws are upheld by God's power. God is the power source, keeps it all working. 
He upholds it all. In the realm of the Spirit, there are laws and principles, and the power of God upholds them. You have to understand that, that the power of God upholds the thing. In other words, when I cooperate with it, work with it, the power of God is released in my life. If I try and go against this, I push you water uphill. So I need to understand the order that God has set. Now have a look in Romans 13. Romans chapter 13. And it tells us about authority, whether it be natural or whether it be in the spirit realm, its source is the same. Verse 1 and 2. Let every soul be subject unto the higher powers, for there is no power but of God. And the powers that be, or the powers that are in place, are ordered by God. Whoever therefore resists the power, resisted something God has put in place, and those that resist shall receive judgment against themselves. Now, let's just take it through piece by piece. The Bible tells us that there's an order in the human world and in the realm of the Spirit. Everywhere you go, you encounter an authority of some kind. Like for example, if I just step off here now, I will encounter an authority, a law that operates the law of gravity. If I go out on the road, there's road rules. I break them, I encounter the law. I go and try and put something on the side of my house and build it, I come into a conflict with the authorities in, in, in the town. If I try and do various things, I come into conflict or I come and find that there are authorities everywhere. I go to the school, I cannot just walk into a school, there are authorities established there. I might have my child in the class, I just can't walk in and interrupt the class. There are authorities that everywhere you go, there is order in society, and if that order is violated, or if the, uh, or, or the boundaries of it are violated, terrible problems take place. So the Bible tells us that there is no authority that except it comes from God. So that word there, power, is the word exousia, a legal or delegated right to act or exert power. That word power there means literally in the original language, something delegated to you that gives you a legal right to act. So for example, you buy a house. If you go to that house, you can do what you like with it. You can tear it down. You can renovate it. You can paint it. You can change it. You can add to it if you get the right permits. You can do all kinds of things. Why can you do that? It's your house. You own it. You've got a legal title to it. But if you went into someone else's house, you say, I don't like this house. It's been annoying me for a long time. I think I'll paint it a different color. Now, you would very soon find that now you are moving outside your authority, you're moving into someone else's area of authority, and they would be right to resist you very, very strongly. You could drive down the road and, and you see a car, and you say, well, I like that car, that's a very nice, I've always wanted one like that. You get in and drive it away. After a little while, you get arrested. Why? Because you have violated an authority boundary. It does not belong to you. You have no right to act. But if someone said, here's my car, borrow it, you could drive it, and it'd be all right within reason. You understand that? There are very, we need to understand what I am responsible for, I have authority over. What I'm responsible for, I have authority. Now God has set in place four authority structures in the earth. One is civil government. This is what it says. All authority comes from God. Here it is. All authority comes from God. The powers that be. So whenever you encounter authority, guess whose authority you're encountering? You're encountering God's authority. Now, a lot of people say Jesus is Lord, but friend, where the rubber meets the road is the first time you come into conflict or encounter an authority, then you find out whether he is Lord or not. 
Because to resist, the Bible says, whoever resists the authority is resisting what God put in place and God will sort them out. When you go down the road and you deliberately and willfully violate the traffic laws, you are violating the authority of God. And he sends someone along to sort you out. <laughs> you get a ticket or a picture, a smiley picture. There was always disagreement in our home who was the one entitled to the picture. So we'd always get the picture and then when it came we put it on prominent display so the criminal could be seen. Pay the fine. So, so it tells us it. So four distinct. One is government. And the Bible tells us that government has a certain role in society. It has some things it's given responsibility to do to fulfill what God wants. As soon as it steps over that, it becomes oppressive, invasive, and we have a right then to resist. You can understand that. Of course, you pay the price if you do, but you still have a legal right to. And uh, in the, for example, in the New Testament, we find that the apostles were gathered up before the religious leaders who are also political leaders in their time. They said, don't preach about Jesus. And they spoke with a respectful attitude. Well, uh, you can decide what you wish in this matter, but Jesus has clearly commanded us to take the gospel to nations and we will continue to preach in his name. So a clear command in the Bible given to them could not be violated by an authority over them. Authority has very strict limits on what it can do. Second area is the area of the church. Now the church is an authority structure God has set up. It is not just a bunch of people all equal in God's eyes. Each one is of equal value. We have to understand that we have equal value, but we have different roles. And there is authority related to the responsibilities that God has given. Also, there are areas in the family. The family is an authority structure God has set up. God ordered it. God set it in place. Guess what? God's power backs it. Whatever God set in place, He stands behind it. He's power. Now, you want to get the power of God released, you've got to find out how God ordered it and then play your part in that order and the power of God is released. A lot of people are striving and struggling to make things happen because they don't understand how to align themselves with God's order and then see and experience His power being released. So they're trying in their own effort to make something happen instead of enjoying seeing the power of God flow because they've aligned themselves and just did what God said to do. We'll, just, we'll talk about what those things are. Finally, there's the authority of the individual. Every one of us has got personal authority. How do you know that? Because you have your own life you're responsible for. And therefore, if you have your own life you're responsible, you have authority over your own life, you are directly accountable to God, you'll give account to God, not to me. So we understand that there are four principal authority structures God has set in place. Everyone has something God told it to do. It is to function in a certain way so God's order can be developed and built in the earth. When we pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, it happens through the structures God set in place. God is an ordered God. You stay on the earth because he set a law of gravity in place, otherwise you'd fly off the earth. Everything in the creation, natural and spiritual, is ordered. Now, spiritual powers, the powers of darkness, are extremely limited in what they can do. They are limited in where they can operate. You know where they can operate? They can only operate outside the law of God where it's dark. So their mode of operation is this. Firstly, they recognize authority structures which God has set up. A couple goes and forms a new family, then the spirit world recognizes there's a new headship, there's a new unit, there's a new person in charge. The husband, the man. The Bible says it. The man is the head. 
the spirit realm will try then to get that man either to abuse what God has given him or to neglect what God has given him. Every authority structure that's set up, the spirit world must, rec must recognize it. So what we do on the earth, for example, if on the earth I acknowledge Jesus Christ as Lord, a new authority structure is set up in my life and demons must acknowledge it. So what I do on the earth can cause things to happen in the spirit world. Now we understand that many of the problems that people have is because of ignorance of the spirit world, how it operates. So we just go our merry way, doing our merry thing, thinking it's right. Well, that was how I was brought up. Well, I can't see what's wrong with that. And we have no power of God release. We've got tremendous demonic infestations in marriages and families and personal lives. So we need to recognize. This is what the Bible says. It says that every soul, how many are excluded under that? How many are excluded? That's every one of us. Let every soul, it doesn't even talk about Christians there. Every soul is every soul be subject to the higher powers. That word higher is literally one that has got a higher level, an increased authority. So in other words, every one of us in our life needs to discover where we fit in the peace of things. And it says, let every soul be subject. That word subject means, uh, it's a military term, means to be subordinate, or literally this, recognize your rank and where you fit in the big picture and acknowledge those who are over you in the right kind of way. For example, if I am a sergeant, I look down, I'm a sergeant. That means I've got to uh, salute the captain and the, 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 the major and the general, and I get commands that come this way. However, I've got people under me. I've got the corporal and the lance corporal and the privates, and they all look up and they give me the salute. So you understand that there is a chain of command. Now, God will not violate his chain of command. You are directly responsible to God. The church is responsible to God. The family, the head of the family is responsible to God and the government is responsible to God. Anytime they start to go over their boundary lines, church cannot interfere with them, family. Family cannot interfere with individuals. Government cannot interfere with the church or family. When they do, great problems occur. Now let's just pick up the headship of the family, the, the, the man, and I'll just give you a couple of key points and then we'll finish here. So this is what the Bible tells us. And go back to 1 Corinthians 11 again. And we'll see why it is that the husband is the head. Is it because he looks better? Is it because he's smarter? See, we have to tear down these wrong concepts. Is it, between, is it because he's more gifted? We've got some real male chauvinism here, I can say. <laughs> All right, ladies, just come next week and bring them along next week because we'll be going into it a bit there. Is it because men are superior? I see we've got a lot of repentance to come. Here is it. This is what the Bible says. It says, this is why. It says, for a man doesn't need to cover his head in his... Now, here's it. It gives four reasons why the man is the head, and they all point to one single reason. Here it is. It says, number one, here's number, the first one. He said, because, now, he's quoting the Old Testament, and he's saying here, the man is the image and glory of God, but the woman is the glory of the man. In other words, he's saying, God has made the man to reflect what he is like in his government and leadership in the home. 
and the woman reflects what the man is like in his government and leadership of the home. And if the woman is depressed, defeated, down, neglected, rejected, looks plum ugly, he has done a very poor job. Blame him. So when we want to see how the man, how the man is really doing in his leadership, you don't look at him, you look at his wife. Does she look beautiful and radiant? Is she lifted up because of his love and his service and his honor and his value and his esteem and his laying his life down for her? Or does she look as though she has to run around and do everything? She's burdened. You can tell whether he's doing his job or not. I think you're already getting the picture. A lot of them are missing the mark altogether. Here it is. That's what they've adopted, this macho male, independent male, this kind of, you know, thing that's in our culture. But we've got to get rid of that and understand what it means to be the head. Okay, let's just get, here it is. So the first thing is, the man is the image of God, but the woman's the glory of the man. Here it is. Second reason, the man didn't come from the woman, but the woman came from the man. That's why the man is the head. Because why? He was the one that God first made. Sorry, we can't change it. God made it that way, made, an, made a man, then said he needs a woman, so he took part of him out. So the woman came out from the man, that's why the man is head. The man is the head because he's the glory of God, and the woman is his glory. The man is the head because he came first, and the woman came second. I can't help that, it's just how it happened. It's how the Bible says it. Come on now, it'll get better. Neither was the, now look at this, come on now. Neither was the man created for the woman, but the woman was created for the man. That's why the man is the head. She was not created to run her own life and have an independent life of his. She was created to be a helper for him. I know you're not going to like some of this stuff, but you've got to get the truth of God's Word. See, this is the danger, is we'll go on in what we've been used to and won't change. But if you can let God's Word change your thinking, today an independent lifestyle is cultivated. You get two people together, haven't got a marriage, they just learn how to live together, but they haven't learned for her to bring her goals in life around so they are in harmony with His and they work as a team. The woman was created for the man. That's why the man is ahead. That's what the Bible's telling us here. I know you, oh, I can see some are getting upset already. But remember, we've got several weeks to work on this stuff. I'm sure our thinking will come around again. Now, here's the other reason. Now, here's another one. Verse 10, Now, for this cause ought the woman to have a covering on her head as a sign she's under the power of her husband because of the angels or the spirit world. Now, here's the other reason. This is why the husband's ahead. This is why the woman needs to recognize it because of the spirit world. Now, a lot of women, well, they think because they've been hurt, they can get away with all kinds of things. What you don't understand is that's exactly what the spirit world wants you to think. In fact, it came from there. It's a demonized idea to bring you out of God's plan for your life so that the oppression can continue and the bondage can continue in your life. That's what the Bible says. The husband is the head of the wife. Now, I'll just explain in a moment what, it, what that means, and then we'll finish and develop it more next week. Now, here's the good part. You notice here it says having stated God's order. Now, what you've got to understand is this. All that, all, that, all that he's saying is like this. He's making a statement. He's just saying, see the sky? It's blue. See the man? He's the head. You can't make it be any different. It's how God set it up. 
God said, let there be blue sky. It's blue sky. God said, let the man be the head. He's the head. Now, he never has to try to be the head. It just is. It just is that way. He, the Bible isn't saying he's got to try and become something. The Bible just says that's how God said it to be. You either agree with it or disagree with it. You either cooperate with it or you rebel against it, but you can't change it. Like saying gravity is gravity. gravity there it is. You can't do anything about it. So we cannot, the husband cannot make himself the head of the home. He is already. All that is needed is that both he and his wife recognize it and learn how to work with it. If he tries, well, I've been to a men's convention, I'm going to be the head of the home, he will mess it up very, very bad. She'll say, is that right? <laughs> it won't work. I won't go there. <laughs> it won't work. It won't work. You've got to realize we either agree with what God has said. Now, headship is male. The, the man is the head of the woman. It doesn't say he's the head of the home. It says he's the head of the woman. It has to do with the relationship. What it means is her life comes into harmony with his goals and purpose in life. That's why it says Christ is the head of the man. He better be listening to God so he's going in the right direction and not causing the one who's following his leadership to feel grieved and burdened and oppressed. Headship. Let me just describe it. Headship is a position of authority. Man, God has given you a position of authority. You need to learn how to exercise it, and you can stop demon attacks on your whole family. Secondly, headship is a position of responsibility. Men, because you are the head, you have a greater responsibility in the home than your wife. You better not neglect it because God requires more of those to whom much has been given. When the day comes to sort it all out, God will look to the man. And he says, because you're in charge, the buck stops with you. If it ain't going well, you're the one I want to talk to. If something's gone wrong in the business, you don't go talk to the guy on the front desk. You go to the manager. When a firm is not going well and gets taken over, guess who they get rid of? The manager. In a home that's not going right, the one who needs to take the rap and take the ownership is the man. He's got to be responsible. That's why I'm going to deal with that. Headship is a position of authority. Headship is a position of responsibility. Headship is a role of leadership in relationship to his wife. It's a role of leadership. There needs to be a leader. Although you work as a team in partnership with one another, the man is called to give leadership in the home. We have a nation without leadership. We have homes without leadership. We have families without leadership. It's no wonder it's in such a mess. It's because we have men who do not know their role or are willing to stand up and fulfill the responsibility God has given to you. That is why our nation is in such a mess. That is why there's so many people in jail, so many drug addicts, so many problems. It is because the heads of the home are not in place. The heads are not functioning like they ought to. And finally, understand this, that headship is male. Simple as that. Now, what God calls us to do is acknowledge it and learn how to function in it. God calls wives recognize the role God has called your man to and instead of criticizing him, uphold him and lift him up in your prayers that God would give him the wisdom to fulfill a role he probably feels inadequate and certainly not prepared to fulfill.
Men, your wife should not be the key prayer in the family. You are called to be. How could Christ be your head? How could you say that He is head, the leader, the ruler over you, and you don't even talk to Him and listen to any instruction? How unsafe it is for all of those under you. Now, you don't need to have a dramatic prayer life or you don't need to actually have some great spiritual thing. You can be a very practical person who has a regular prayer life and God will give you wisdom. In fact, what I've discovered, God so honors this principle of headship, even an unsaved man will be given by God wisdom for his family to protect them. Now, we'll touch on that a little bit later. The situations where husband is unsaved or the husband is struggling in his own Christian life or the husband is not there at all. These are difficult situations, but God will give us wisdom how to handle it. Next week, I want to talk about headship and responsibility. I want to talk what this means to the man, what it means you are called to do, what it is God gave you to do, and if you don't do it, there is a hole in the spirit realm. The demons come through. There's a gap in the umbrella, and your family, your wife, your children, loved ones, all are subject to difficulties and pressures. Friends, God wants us to accept His order and come into harmony with it. Why don't we just bow our heads right now? I don't want you to be condemned or feel guilty. If you're reacting to what I'm saying, there's some hurt, there's some unresolved concepts in your mind that need to be worked out. I encourage you to stay open. Father, I pray that every man in this place and every person every male that hears the tapes of this message will be challenged to come before you and fulfill the responsibilities you've given us that we might sense in our heart our fulfillment as a man by being exactly what you wanted us to be. I pray for every man here that you will help us break out of the intimidation of feeling inadequate and the resistance to assuming responsibility, and that men in this church will arise and stand up and be all the leaders that you've called us to be. Father, I pray for every woman in this place, particularly those who have suffered hurt and heartache and, and, and pain because of abuse and neglect and abandonment by a, by a self-centered husband. I pray that they will arise, they will obtain your grace to break out of those limiting hurts and wounds, and that, Lord, you will bring them to recognize your order in the home, that they would stand up and support your order, and, Lord, find the freedom and security that they've never known that comes out of being in the order God called us to be. Father, I just pray for any person here today that has never come to know Jesus Christ, that, Lord, today you put it in their heart. I want to become a Christian. Everyone said, Amen. If you brought someone with you today who doesn't know Jesus, Talk with them quietly and ask them if they'd like to know the Lord. Invite them to come up and I'll talk with them and share with them and pray with them to become a Christian. May the Lord bless you. I encourage you to think about and meditate on what I've shared. Give you some more next week and the week after. Let's get our thinking around what God wants us to be. If you're a single person, this will help you. Single people, let me just say this before I finish. Today the trend is for single people to leave home. When you leave home, you come out from under authority and you're in a very vulnerable position and place. I have many young people come to me and they, oh, I believe so-and-so is the right person for me. I think this is just the most wonderful man, wonderful person, whatever. And I ask one question and you see all the stars go out. What does your father think of this relationship? You'd be amazed how many don't want to talk about it. 
And that tells me immediately they are out of the order and the blessing and the protection that God could give them. And we need to talk into these areas. You need to understand there is a hostile spirit world committed to destroy you and God has provided roles and functions and connections when we find our place in those, when we play our part in them, there is an immense security and protection from demonic attack comes. I believe that God is going to challenge, whether you're single, whether you're a parent, whether you're a solo parent, God is going to challenge you over these next few weeks. Be open to it and let God reorder your ways. These are some of the most important concepts you can ever learn in your life. When you understand authority and begin, instead of reacting, rebelling, and fearing it, find your place in it, you will exercise great authority over demon powers. You will see the power of God released around your life in a way you've never known before. And you'll find a security inside and a confidence. God will help me through every situation. And who wants that kind of thing to happen in their life? Hallelujah. Well, God bless you. If you'd like prayer for some kind of area, feel free to come up. Afterwards, we've got a uh, morning tea upstairs. Go up and have a cup of tea if you're a visitor. Lord bless you. We love you very much. See some of you tonight. We've got an outreach meeting, Holy Ghost meeting tonight.